welcome to the Persuasion Lab Podcast. I'm Martin Medeiros. Unfortunately, the world isn't made for specifications in all ways at all times, which means you need to be able to communicate your wants and needs so you can get them met. I'm here to teach you the tools and strategies so that you can do exactly that. Stay tuned after the episode for more information about the fully outfitted Digital Persuasion Lab or head over to thepersuasionlab.com to get started. We either love to negotiate or don't like it. Wherever you are on that spectrum, this podcast is about helping you go through that process. And one thing we want, regardless of how we feel about negotiation, is... What's the result? Do we get what we bargained for? Did people actually perform? So negotiating is fine, but it's a ends to a, a, a means to an end, namely performance. So today we're going to review how to get people to perform on a contract. And we'll be talking about performance standards such as a service level agreement. And I'll also discuss some psychological foundations you'll need to ensure people don't walk away from a deal or forget the service levels they've agreed to or performance standards. So by now you probably have a strategic plan and I help walk people through that on the website thepersuasionlab.com so that's where to go more about that but let's get into the actual contract and think about performance. This comes up anytime. If I'm hiring someone to bake a wedding cake, well, how do I want it to look? How do I want it to taste, smell? When do I want it there? What happens if something goes wrong? So communicating the service level to that baker in this case is important. Now, the term service level agreement is something I learned when I was working at American Airlines in their legal team. For information technology, we may know about the five nines uptime, which is 99.999% uptime during any given year, which actually is about 8.76-ish hours of downtime. And this number is significant because if you have, say, a flight reservation system or a national defense system, you probably want at least five nines. The issue is each one of those nines costs something because high service levels generally require more effort, more energy, and therefore more cost. Now, what happens next? It, something goes down, the cake isn't right, the computer crashes. What happens? Do you get a credit? Do you get free time? And what if it keeps happening so much that it's an irritant and it doesn't let you accomplish what you need to? For example, if you, in my cake example, you're getting, you know, three test cake recipes um, and you don't like any of them. Do you have a walk away right or do you have to go with that baker until they get make it right? Then what? So we're going to go through nine things you need in your performance standards service levels agreement whether you're doing a global flight reservation system 
detailing your car, landscaping, baking a cake. So let's get into those nine service level components or agreements, I'll call them SLAs for short, you should have. One is you need to know uh, what I call a SPOC, uh, S-P-O-C, single point of contact. Uh, this is generally, uh, speaks to communications protocol. This is the second item in your strategic plan if you're a subscriber of the Persuasion Lab. And what this does is it lets uh, the people unambiguously who are the leads talk to one another. And if their staffs are talking to people, if like one of your in-laws tries to get involved in the cake example, uh, that's unofficial. So what you want to do is establish I'm the lead on this please funnel all communications through me that avoids ambiguity and end arounds and people doing their own little agendas the second element is to define the service specifically what are you doing how fast what's the manner if it's uh, say an escalation situation and an information technology contract you know level one is kind of turn the computer back on and off and then it goes to level two which may be more uh, difficult and finally level three and above has to do with some type of software fix that generally will take a longer time generally level one is very quick um, resolution time to level two and level three problems generally will take longer so uh, for example a new recipe that may take longer where the baker isn't familiar with so that would almost be like a level two in this analogy so the third element when we're talking about the services specifically in element two is what is the measurement system so you're going to have to find a metric you know 99.999% of what yeah that would be time but it could be quality it could be a lot of other things so you've really got to figure out what the metric means is it a percent um, is it out of you know a thousand you really have to do that and it also helps to say the reason why well if you know hey if this system goes down that costs the company a million dollars per minute uh, or something like that some other metric on what does it mean and what that metric will impact for the company because this speaks to kind of the rebates the in attorney speak liquidated damages on not meeting a service level so we're gonna have to get really good on if this happens what's the cost and generally um, any type of penalty uh, or punishment in a contract is generally not enforceable but you can try to make yourself whole reasonably and once we have the metric once we know the reason for the metric and what that means to the organization or what I'm trying to do I want to use um, a system to deploy or measure that metric for example in our IT example if I have 99.999 uptime uh, a call will come into a help desk uh, what does when does the, does the clock start when they dialed or when they actually talked to someone so all these um, 
call center systems have all these metrics in them and you can turn them on and calibrate them accordingly but you have to know when what system you have for measuring that metric and just to go on the low-tech side for a cake sample you can say I'm gonna have three uh, people in the wedding party taste the cake um, and we'll decide which one so that's a system you have three people show up they show up they taste the cake and it'll be approved or not so let's talk about um, you know other metrics that require something beyond something and this requires a lot of of thinking you may have back to the IT example a okay they pick up the the call or it's automated it, the, the network is monitored let's say for cybersecurity and there may be minute by minute logs where you can tell all anomalous activity on that network in other words hackers trying to get in in our cybersecurity example if you don't have a system to look at those um, logs like a dashboard or something and meet those anomalies that would be an issue so the fourth element in our service level is to determine what a baseline and set service targets if you don't have them go to industry standards um, yeah, five nines may be great but do you need that uptime if you're taking orders online for a baking company if you do it'll cost you the fifth element I want to talk about is this idea of performance reviews and metrics audits who pays how often they pay and what adjustments they make now let's talk let's unpack each one of these performance reviews and metrics so uh, you may say okay let's take our cybersecurity thing every time someone tries to hack I want to make sure that we know as best we can the IP address of that source can we do that so this would require some type of auditing someone looking at those minute-by-minute -minute logs of your network and then uh, if say I'm paying a cybersecurity company and they will take care of X percent and someone gets through well who pays for that uh, how uh, you know who is the, the guilty party who is uh, you know if, if it's a contractor and if they're they agreed to step up to a certain level something happens there may be uh, a credit a payment or something and one thing we want to talk about is if we audit performance we want to know how frequently and what the adjustment dynamic is so when we're doing a performance review of the metrics we want to know okay you can have an audit once a year if something is wrong the uh, party either calling the audit will pay for it or if it's above X percent the party who dropped the ball will pay for that audit you generally want um, audits frequently enough to make your um, agreement meaningful your service level agreement meaningful this may be quarterly it may be weekly or whatever but an audit is an involved process so it's not something you should take lightly sometimes it's annually for something uh, say that's licensing revenue where 
your licensing some intellectual property and get some type of license. Um, and then what do you do about adjustments? Uh, when do you do it? So you generally have to audit, say if it's quarterly, you audit one quarter and then it's backwards looking. So the credit would be forward looking for the next quarter and the adjustment should appear on the next quarter. So there's all these little things that you know, your, your financial person could, could figure out um, as how you adjust when you're doing an audit function or looking at getting the service level um, back to, to a standard. And number six is very important, and this has to do with reporting procedures, reporting procedures. What this means is when the, if it's a network log, uh, that's fine. There's a lot of data in a network log. It may be second by second, uh, and it may contain a lot more data sub-elements than that. So you need some way to take that data and make it meaningful. Put it in a dashboard so a manager uh, has to do it because if someone has to go through say a network log every query that's made that is uh, that will take a staff but if you can automate the process get it to a dashboard where the decision maker can see how the service levels are running that's a much better approach than um, having just having the data because if you're asking for something if you're asking for data service level data capture data acquiring is all a task that has to be managed and it's best if you don't have a reporting procedure you've wasted your money and you're wasting everyone else's time uh, because at the end of the day in this cybersecurity thing those second by second logs are meaningful if they're read and if there's an issue if that anomaly that shows up on that log is escalated then what happens if you don't have that reporting and action procedure it's very um, doubtful that your negotiation is meaningful at all because you have to have the staff you have to have the ability to execute on that contract you have to be able to perform when we talk about our element six in our strategic plan, you know, ability to execute, this is exactly what's going on. And of course, um, the seventh point is to put it in writing. You're going to have to get people to memorialize this in writing to get a feeling of how things happen in a um, in the real world in other words what does what do I have to do and it has to be very simple meaningful metrics precise metrics are important um, I was looking at a, a a complaint that was filed in court today and the uh, case was thrown out because the uh, plaintiffs the person suing said it's greater than 60% and the judge kicked it out. He says, greater than 60%. What does that mean? Is that 70, 80, 90? I don't know, but that's not precise. And I'm not going to hear this case because you got to get your facts. Uh, so too, you can't enforce a service level agreement that's ambiguous, that we don't know what the meeting of the minds is. And how do we memorialize the meeting of the minds? You put it in writing. So you're going to have objective data um, 
as to, you know, is it five nines? Is it two nines? It all depends. So that's one thing that has to happen. The ninth element is what I call uh, acknowledgement of targets. Whatever you put in that writing in our seventh step, the eighth step is make sure the people who actually have to monitor this, you know, initial or figure out, yes, I can do this and acknowledge that we, we can measure that and we can report this because if this contract is geared towards performance of this service level, then I can meet that contract. For example, let's go back to our bakery example. If your baker uh, has no experience with a certain type of, you know, Armenian spice cake and that's what you want for your wedding, well, do they have any experience with that? Uh, or is it going to be trial and error? And it may, but may not be what you expected because they have no um, uh, meaning of that. They may say, yeah, yeah, I'm reading space cake. I, I got it. And they'll like Google it and they'll come up with something which may not meet your standards. So they're going to have to say, yeah. Here's the recipe I'm using for this Armenian space cake, and I will perform that, and it's in the contract, and uh, have them acknowledge that they actually have done that. Or, you know, in the case of this network security, um, yeah, we can monitor this second by second, and we can report that data up to the, you know, chief security officer, um, uh, CSO, to make sure that. Uh, people are working on it to uh, thwart or deal with the attack. And finally, element nine is what I call um, fresh look provisions. Uh, these are review of, hey, how'd it go? We have this service level agreement for a year. Were you making the service level? So this will give you a lot of uh, information as to what is going on, how it's likely to go on, and was it realistic? If they fail to meet the criteria repeatedly, you may want to say, okay, uh, you guys didn't mean we're going to terminate the contract because it says, you know, three months of, non of not meeting the service level gives us the right to terminate. Or you may say something like, hmm, Three months of non-performance. We came up with that metric ourselves, and it's super aggressive because there is no industry standard, and there may be objective reasons that we can't come up with a solution. There may be objective reasons why we can't come up with a way to measure this that represents reality because at the end of the day you want to do what's possible and probable and when you take a look at the contract's performance the previous year or previous six months some statistically significant samples what you're going for here is to make sure the parties understand that this contract is a living thing, it's dynamic, and you want to get to the best standards and have information going into it. There are so many people who say, oh, 
we don't know what the standards are, so we come up with them. There's no industry standards. That's fine. Come up with it. Back look, you say this worked, this didn't work. It may be too little, it may be too much. But if it's not pos possible, then you can push standards to make that. And this generally happens with larger companies dealing with smaller companies. If I have an enterprise, you know, big enterprise, you know, Fortune 500 company, and they're dealing with a startup that has really cool stuff, they may push that startup to come up to a service level that will be required when they're deploying an enterprise level technology or an enterprise level service. Uh, you know, even if it's like a landscaper, uh, you may be doing residential fine as a landscaper. You may want to go into um, corporate, you know, corporate campuses. Well, that's a bigger step up. So what are the typical uh, service levels required of the companies who require landscapers for corporate campuses? It probably will take more people, more machinery, and other things. So you're going to have to figure out if there's a service level step up as the, the vendor, as say the landscaper, you're going to have to find out what investment it takes me to get that standard because I don't want to um, step down to a service level that or uh, I want I don't want to step up to a service level I can't meet or down to one that is not making the client so those are the the nine examples of the uh, service level agreement. One is to contract the owner. Two, define the service specifically. Three, what's a measurement system. Four, determine the baseline and set service targets. Uh, and five, think about performance reviews and metrics. Six, talk about reporting procedures. Seven, put it in writing. Eight, acknowledge targets. And nine, these fresh look provisions. How did it go? How is it going? Can we get more or less aggressive? And that's how to guide performance. Now, I want to talk about the psychological foundation. Now, in the prosecution of this performance contract, this service level agreement, you're going to have to enfranchise the other parties because there's research on when the parties feel like they meaningfully contributed in the negotiation where it wasn't sign it or leave it or there was no asymmetry. If they found like it was a negotiated for and problem solved, worked at, back and forth negotiation, those contracts actually are performed. And this is research from uh, Washington University Law School. So what ends up in litigation? Asymmetric deals, when people feel disenfranchised. So if you want a service level agreement or any contract to be performed, you've got to reach the person emotionally. You can't say, this is my contract, you signed my contract. No, this is our contract. Very important focus on a mutual work product rather than one imposed on another. And this research determined it didn't matter who got the better deal. Even if the little guy objectively killed it, if they felt, if their feelings were that it was imposed on them, 
they are more likely to not perform the contract, slow perform the contract, or end in dispute, litigation, arbitration, mediation. That's an important takeaway. You can have all the service level points you want, but at the end of the day, how you prosecute the negotiation and the skill in prosecuting that negotiation determines performance. Thanks for listening in the Persuasion Lab digital tools and this information is generally on thepersuasionlab.com. Check it out. Uh, If you like the podcast, please like and subscribe. We love your support. This is Martin Medeiros in the Persuasion Lab.